just when you thought you were out, we pull you back in. This is And Justice for Al, brought to you by In Real Deep and Tazzini Media. I'm your host, Steve Semino, senior writer at In Real Deep, and with us, as always, is executive editor Andrew Johnson. Hey, Andrew. Hey, Steve. How's it going? You ready to talk some more Al Pacino? Yeah. Yeah. Real ready. <laughs> Real ready. Oh, this is going to be a good one. This this is going to get loud, I suspect, in in a positive and negative way, largely negative. Sure is, baby doll. <laughs> if you haven't guessed, because everyone knows what baby doll is, because everyone has seen this movie, we are here to talk about the hit film Danny Collins, the Golden Globe nominee, arguably Al Pacino's most awards-centric movie of the last 15 years. <laughs> Would you agree with that statement, as sad as it may be? Um, on a purely factual basis, yeah. I guess so. <laughs> yeah. If you go to awards and nominations on IMDb, it's definitely leader of the pack. <laughs> yes, for your arbitrary cutoff point. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it's a small sample size. So, Andrew, introduce us to our guest, our full-time guest for the first time in this uh, podcast history. Yeah, well, uh, Tom's joining us again, our, uh, our resident Al Pacino heel. Um, I think he's going to have a lot to, to talk about this episode, and we figured, you know, Tom's become a fixture at this point, so we might as well bring him on for the whole episode. Um, at least for the bad ones. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's no value to our, our chit-chat before then anyway, so we might as well might as well just get, get right into it. Um, but I, I guess we're going to also have to introduce this movie a little bit for, for people who are not sure. familiar. Tom, Tom, I want to hear Tom introduce the movie. <laughs> Tom's <laughs> totally unbiased synopsis of yeah. Danny Collins. You give us your version of what you think this movie is, and then I will supply the, <laughs> as the host, I will supply my own version of what this movie is. All right, so I think, uh, well, thanks for having me on again. Uh, sorry I was so quiet. I've been crying in the back room for the last five minutes because the movie's so terrible. No, but So I think that the movie is actually just a real life, uh, like day or week week into the life of Al Pacino with a coke habit and they somehow worked all this other stuff in so that happened they tacked on a musical career yeah and somehow they made it work after the fact. No, he just did a lot of coke and ended up in front of 2,000 people 2,000 extras oh that's that's not wrong but for the sake of of the fiction of the, the fictional world the movie creates Anyone, if you haven't seen Danny Collins, you're not wrong. You're not weird. You're you're in the majority. But <laughs> it is a it is a interesting idea, I suppose, on paper. If you really are an idiot, it's <laughs> the story of a musician from the '60s who became who sort of lost his way, meaning he he sold out and started making poppy hits as opposed to, I guess, his more from the soul songwriter type material. And he's he's you know he's now just a basically a sham act that's just going out and, and you know a nostalgia act who's you know giving his old material to a bunch of older audiences and he finds out via his manager Christopher Plummer who waits who springs this on him at his birthday party and this guy is Danny Collins the the musician I'm speaking of Christopher Plummer his best bud slash manager tells him that John Lennon wrote him a letter. 40 years ago basically right when he sold out and said you're great danny collins don't ever give up keep doing you buddy and this shakes al pacino to his core and he decides to go to new jersey and find the son he left behind and stay at the hilton and then hijinks ensue as they often do in movies of this sort. I think the interesting thing is that that, that this is actually true. There are, are musicians who randomly like got letters from John Lennon. 
Oh, uh, really? Yeah. I didn't uh, know that. There's even. like a YouTube video out there, and then if you watch in the actual credits, they have an interview. Um, yeah, it's a British singer, right? Yeah, British singer. So, oh, that's right. So it's like it is like a. I actually agree that it is a really interesting uh, concept for a movie. Uh, the execution, yeah, is lacking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I actually think it's a really weird, interesting that's, idea. That's, you're right. That's what I was referring to too. Like I think in, if you read one sentence, maybe you're like, okay, that's different than something I've ever seen before. But in execution, it's it's a thing you've seen a thousand times yeah. before with like a slight twist in the first five minutes I, that you maybe. I think we wouldn't. should also clarify at this point that that Al Pacino plays Danny Collins, of course, and looks like uh, the bastard child of uh, Tom Jones and Neil Diamond. <laughs> Wearing Stephen Van Zandt's, wardrobe. I was gonna say yeah. Stephen Van Zandt. His attire seems like it's yeah. ripped without the bandana, yeah. but otherwise ripped from yeah. his closet. Yeah. So. So yeah, he looks all plastic. That's uh, <laughs> what we're saying here. Oh God. So, so I guess let's just start from the top. Like it's it's the bit, literally in the opening montage to this movie. And if you haven't seen it, it's on Amazon Prime. Free. I recommend spending the nine dollars. If, if you're listening to this podcast, you obviously care about either us or Al Pacino or both, <laughs> and you should probably invest the time just to give it a shot. And or you're it. a masochist who enjoys yeah. other people's pain. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's going to be well, the side twist of this, too. Is that I don't hate this movie, but I think that my two cohorts here are going to be on the other side of that coin. So, yeah. That's, that's but I will say, a movie that opens where the lead character is literally doing cocaine out of a cross he wears around his neck in the first five minutes, the first not even five minutes, 30 seconds, is asking for trouble and asking to just be pilloried and destroyed. Well, anytime you're stealing beats from uh, Cruel Intentions and then implying them to a, like a geriatric story, <laughs> you're you're in trouble, I think. So, yeah. 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 That's a good start with the Redemption movie. Um, well, I'll, I'll just start. I, uh, there's a couple of things that fascinated me about this train wreck of a movie, and it is a goddamn disaster uh, from start to finish. Yeah, it's, it, uh, it's, it's terrible, and I'm, I'm really curious. I'm just going to let you go. I'm going to let you I'm really curious. Place. I can't wait to hear why this movie is good, because I, I didn't see it. Uh, I can't say good, but uh, I, I found redeeming elements. that. But I want to hear with the, I'm probably not going to disagree with anything you say, so please tear it apart. It, it is like a really cliche story about a washed up rocker um that is just awash in melodrama bad writing um bizarrely mediocre acting from a very talented cast uh pacino aside you know you've got christopher Plummer. you mentioned annette benning um christopher Plummer says tits a couple times yeah, and that's very disarming just never do that colonel von trap please don't please don't ever do that and uh who's the other person i want oh bobby cannaval who is oh, like God. Danny Collins? Um, He's baby Collins. Yeah, his son, his strange son. Um, and also, young Danny Collins looks like he's Jason Biggs for a second, and then he's not Jason Biggs. Oh yeah, yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> and then and Jason Biggs is probably old enough to play Danny Collins at this point. They should have <laughs> just gotten him. Um, and then, uh, oh, and then um, Jennifer Garner's in it too, as like Bobby Cannavale's like pregnant wife. So um, this movie sucks, and I I don't it. <laughs> They spent all clearly spent all their money on the cast and uh, the Mercedes that that Pacino drives probably a rental and then the rest of it is filmed in like a like a uh, a very suburban like Hilton uh, hotel 
and there's a lot indoors in like very sad looking like yeah, rooms and I, stuff. I don't really know what the point of the movie is other than to just make me horribly depressed about everyone who's involved <laughs> and uh, um there is a bizarrely a very bizarrely catchy song sung by al pacino which we're gonna put which we're gonna have in this podcast if you haven't heard of uh, well it we'll soon. see if we can get in there the only problem i'm worried about is songs you can be itunes can be sensitive but we'll see yeah well we'll i'm gonna try and sneak it in uh, can we can we talk about the song now or should we get to that let's bit? talk about it. baby doll hey baby doll All right, so, by the way we're singing better than al pacino does <laughs> yeah so there's two, two immediate things when, when you talk about the music in a film so you know usually a film like this ostensibly is able to not just have the cliche redemption story but you know has some good music and an actor who's capable of playing good music neither of those things are true here the song is surprisingly we, catchy, know like that. Said, we, we literally get awful. one song we don't even we, and then we get the one piano song near yeah, the so, end but yeah, we don't so, even get like an uber of songs it's not a piano song it's like it's like six six bars of a song <laughs> so we get the bad song who i'm like you know it's a little catchy but it's not a good song mm-hmm. and not only is it just an average song that's not the worst part al pacino i mean it if the point of acting in a movie about a singer is to pretend like you're a singer well then he just bombs the hell out of that part because he sounds just drunk and it's just <laughs> I mean, it's really, he's really bad at singing. Have you guys seen the clip? I might have sent this around. So the movie open, one of, like the opening scene, not the opening montage, but the opening scene is is Danny Collins doing a show to his geriatric fans in Los Angeles. And they filmed it in the middle of a Chicago or near the end of a Chicago show or the beginning, I guess it doesn't matter when. And they like basically stopped the Chicago show and were like, okay, here's Al Pacino singing a song for everybody. <laughs> and it's like seeing him dance like in the movie, like they at least present it like he's a he's not a good singer or a dancer, but they at least frame it like he's, uh, you know, playing to a crowd. Seeing him play to the actual uninterested, boring crowd is just he just looks like the saddest old man you've ever seen. Please include it in the post when you <laughs> when you said it live on the site. That's all I'll say about that. Um well, I hope everyone got their money back in Chicago. Because <laughs> what a what a nasty trick to play on that. Um, I guess the <laughs> to, to break down the movie a little bit more um, uh, in Pacino's performance, particularly, I guess he does master the strut of a washed up rock star fairly well. Like at the beginning of the movie, I was like, okay, kind of convinced. Of course, he ruins it all by you know opening his mouth and trying to sing um and then uh to me the whole the whole movie like uh it does have like i i guess steve i'm i'm trying to anticipate your angle here it does it does turn slightly for the better when annette venning gets involved but it's still just uh just i i don't know it's just it's just a depressing movie and um, well, I, I just I don't Pacino is like so the wrong choice for this role. I mean, that's what I was going to talk <clears> about. Like, I think and I think we need to address this movie. This is the one movie of all of the podcasts we're doing on Pacino that is from the last 15 years. And I think that this sort of has to, you know, by do by do of that. But also because it's just it, it sort of is a representation of what Al has been doing for a long time, which is playing himself, which is being sort of at least sort of half assed not entirely half assed it's just taking horrible roles with bad writing and putting no effort into it. Like I think this does fit in all those categories. I would argue that 
because this is so sort of in his wheelhouse as an aging star, and then Danny Collins also being an aging star, that it does sort of work because Danny Collins is such a sad character, but also pretty charming when he wants to be, when he's not masking his sadness, that I think that Al is sort of that way too. Like, I think Al has a way about him that is very fun, and but there's also, then there's just moments where you're just like, you are just a decrepit old man, and I cannot look past that. Was... I I gotta say I agree with a lot of what you just said <laughs> because he is reliably Al Pacino in this movie, and you're right. That means drunk. something different coming from you than it does coming from me, but but I got I he does it's 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 like vintage Pacino in that he gives a such a reliably meandering, nonsensical, awkwardly <laughs> delivered, like he's half asleep the whole time. <laughs> A lot of people will always say about Al Pacino roles, like, oh, I can't believe he, I'm sure he improvised that, or like, he, he totally improvised the scene. It's like, yeah, well, he didn't do it well, because he's not, like, he's not doing any of the things that you're supposed to do if you're, like, improvising good lines. I mean, he's just, like, talking to himself. It's like, what, yeah. what did you say? But I think, but again, I think that does weird, and whether that was planned or not, and we'll never know unless we ask Dan Fogle, whatever his name is. Dan Fogelman, the writer director, so the the art the artist. Oh, he's, he's an auteur. He's an auteur. He's a real filmmaker, you know. He's one of those old type, one of those seventies type filmmakers. 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 But I do think that you know, and I suspect this was part. They had to partly expect this, but it does through through may perhaps no effort of his own. It does suit him very well. And there's Maybe a great like, scene. I, I, I totally like, disagree on the movie. Like, I mean, a dog reliably plays fetch with people, right? <laughs> but, and people love they dogs. All, They're memorizing. the most lovable creatures in the whole earth. I don't think the role suits him at all. I think he well, he's in the driver's seat, and then he drives the car off a goddamn weird well, Al Pacino cliff. Well, here, but here's my defense of this. Here's my defense of this movie, which I'll outline now. Is I think the opening twenty minutes. And the last twenty minutes, which are have a lot of the song and dance and, and actual musical <laughs> elements, are are god awful. Yeah, I think they're. I think Al cannot okay. handle that stuff. But I also it reminds me of when Al Pacino was smartly going to be in Slapshot in Paul Newman's role, and then they took it out because he couldn't play hockey. <laughs> so it's like that was also really good. Stuff. That's probably what Danny Collins, Dan Fogelman should have done, is say, well, you can't play hockey and you also can't sing. So, you know, you're losing these roles by dint of your lack of talent in these particular areas. Well, Paul but- Newman's corpse would have done a better job in this movie. So. <laughs> Paul Newman's anyway. still alive, I think, isn't he? <laughs> no, he's dead. What? Yeah, he's, yeah he's definitely one of my favorite actors. I loved him in Slapshot. He died. Two, he died eight years ago, Andrew. Really? Oh. It's very sad. Maybe it's the salad dressing I keep seeing. <laughs> you see his face every time you go to the store. Yeah. <laughs> I swear, I just saw him yesterday. <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. So I was just like, but I, I do think then, Andrew. I think you hit it on the head with my opinion. I think there is a lot of really like. Again, through, not saying this is actually a good movie or not, but I enjoyed watching older Al Pacino and older Annette Bening have an age-appropriate sort of little romance. I think Al was charming. There's a scene where he throws a, he like shoots a lemon into a glass and goes, "Okay," and does like a little <laughs> Al turn and strut. And I rewound that scene like four times because I was enjoying it so much. That so, was definitely improvised. That was definitely like Al do an Al thing. He's like, "Okay." <laughs> So throw, here's, I'm gonna throw a lemon. Here's my question: Why can't Al Pacino just become a meme like Abe Vigoda or something like that? 
Like, like, well, why yeah. does why does he have to be the star of like a a Golden Globe nominated picture? <laughs> or whatever? Why can't he just like make fun of himself till he dies? He was in just... Jack and Jill. What more do you want him to do? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm t- I'm totally on board with this thing. Like, if he was like, if he was playing like a hilarious cameo or something, where it's like, oh yeah, he finally you know is acknowledging that he is a pile of trash actor, then I would <laughs> have a lot more respect for him. But I will say, I, I think, think I th- that's not the, the case here. Yeah, and you, and you guys, and you know, we don't have to get entirely into the whole De Niro Pacino thing at this moment. We'll do that on the Righteous Kill podcast. But no, we're not doing a Kill I podcast. do think that we'll do De Niro on the Heat podcast. De Niro, <laughs> what? We'll do it on the Heat podcast. We don't the need to do the podcast. Yeah, or the Righteous Kill podcast, no. which I'm going to record by myself in my room <laughs> talking to the microphone about Righteous Kill. God. Uh, I will say what I do. What I would do say about De- later period De Niro versus later period Pacino, and what makes me give you know give some respect to De Niro is he's settled into supporting actor roles with mostly you know I don't love David O. Russell, but he tra- he seems like he's trying a little bit to find something that's decent. Al keeps making terrible movies and playing the lead in all of them, or at least the co lead, or like you know it's like he's trying to put these horrible movies on his back and. He, you know, n- really, no one could do that, especially not sixty-five-year-old, seventy-year-old Al Pacino. Like he's whatever magic he had is long gone, and it would be a lot better if he popped up as supporting in something and actually, you know, gave a shit and tried a little harder rather than just carry like Manglehorn on his back. Well, he also needs to play a role suited to him. I mean, Christopher Plummer is in this movie, and he was nominated for um, Beginners as a best supporting, I think, a best supporting actor like three or four years ago. Like, you can be an old guy in Hollywood and play good roles beyond De Niro, and De Niro's track record is spotty. I guess Christopher Plummer's is spotty now in my book, but, <laughs> but um, like, yeah, why, like, it's about him knowing himself, but then about Dan Fogelhorn or whatever the hell his name is, or the auteur who did this film. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, why, like, Al Pacino can't sing. He can't sing. It's a, it's a movie about a rock star. Did, you know... I mean, yeah. at least, I don't know, I guess maybe pipe in the music like Michael J. Fox in Back to the Future or something. I don't know. but I mean, but yeah, I, I think that's right. Like, it was just, not only was it terribly miscast in that way, but at the same time, in Al Pacino's, the, the one thing in defense of him that I'll say is that Daniel Day-Lewis couldn't have saved this movie because it was <laughs> such a train wreck. Mm-hmm. So I think both of those things. Can you imagine right. Daniel Day Lewis method acting Danny Collins? <laughs> I mean, it would have been a believable role, right? In a, in a shit movie, but yeah, I will. I'll say that I thought there was a time there, and we can go into the crazy heart conversation because I think that is an easy comparison, as you said. But I think there was a part in the movie where it's see, and I'm going to spoil it. If you didn't fuck, if you didn't see it, that's on you for not watching Danny Collins when we do. But. There's a part in the movie where it's it becomes where you know where it becomes clear that Bobby Cannavale is sick and that Al's getting you know and, and yeah. you know he's the one who's going to suffer and Al's the one who's going to have to sort of pick up the pieces maybe and I thought oh that's that's kind of interesting like usually um, the musician fucks up and everyone gets mad at him and he like hits rock bottom and then has to like build put the pieces up and I was thinking oh that'd be kind of that's kind of a neat twist if the twist is not that. Al fucks up, but that his the life around him collapses, and he's forced to you know become a respectable human being again. Like, okay, I could see that being slightly. That's a slightly different take on the same old story. And then, of course, like ten minutes later, Al goes to that show and tries to play his piano tune and fucks up and does cocaine and gets all sad. <laughs> and then it hits all those beats you expected it to hit. And that's where I was like, okay, now I do hate this again because it's doing exactly what it is I expected it to do. 
every scene where like Al Pacino is drunk in the movie and then like the camera sort of gets like blurry and he's going okay <laughs> is basically how I feel like every time he opened the movie every time he opened his mouth in the movie I was like what what am I have I had too much to drink what just happened what what is going on so yeah. oh. well so Steve what you said was interesting because uh uh, you had me for a second, but so where I, I got happy actually again when he started doing cocaine again, because just just for a second, I thought maybe this is just going to end in a really depressing way. And everything around him is just going to burn because he sucks, and he's just going to end, and it's going to be the saddest ending. Ever. I would have started to like it a little bit more if that happened. But so no, you wanted to like overdose on drugs I wanted or something? To I honestly, I think I agree with you too. I kind of would like that more at that point. Like, I think at that point it was, oh, this, it was so rote this, and boring. This took a but... real dark turn. No, but speaking of dark turn, what a convenient just like insertion of cancer for your son in a movie. Like, that was just such a terrible moment. Well, that's what I was saying about it being a very melodramatic film. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just, it just. Uh... It just it it took you on tried to take you on this like emotional roller coaster and uh, I don't know I I guess I I walked out before I got on the roller coaster and just watched <laughs> idiots on it so well sadly I don't disagree with a lot of what you're saying I do think there's there's the heart of something decent there specifically with Pacino and Benning I just thought they had a nice rapport and I I genuinely enjoyed I was entertained by their scenes which is not a movie per se that's not you shouldn't i i definitely agree that you shouldn't praise a movie because you like a third of it because it made you like laugh a little bit and smile but yeah there's there's a lot of bad stuff around dan fogelman the the great auteur the the cinematic genius behind danny collins definitely and, and of course and ryan adams was i was just looking it up he did a lot of the music for this movie which is also pretty embarrassing because he's uh Oh, and beyond that, we didn't even talk about this. The John Lennon songs as the only thing on the soundtrack over and over again. That's the other thing they spent their money on budget-wise was the licensing rights to John Lennon songs. Yeah, that was the best part of the movie, just listening to (laughs) find John Lennon songs. Trying to find a thematically appropriate John Lennon song for every scene is the most um, amazingly awful thing I could ever imagine. Yeah. Uh, Well, so, uh, interesting point, though. I, I kind of agree that there was, like, some chemistry between Al and... Um, Lynette Benning but then it's like again it's just like why then why is Al a fucking rock star why don't they just make like the best exotic New Jersey Hilton hotel then <laughs> you know like go for that you know I'd, I'd, I'd probably watch that again over Danny fucking Collins so yeah <clears throat> I wouldn't watch either of them really again <laughs> right? but but no but there's, a, there's an interesting because you mentioned Crazy Heart earlier which I think it's a good way to tie that back into that conversation. Because if you look at Crazy Heart, and it's you know they're vaguely you know they're quite similar plot lines in terms of you know aging rock star doesn't know what he's doing anymore wants to dedicate himself back to the craft. So in, in Crazy Heart that happens, you know he hasn't he's playing all of his old standards. He hates his life. He's an alcoholic, and then on his road to redemption, he writes a great song. Hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> This, the song, the great song that is Al Pacino, Danny Collins' redemption song, sounds like a combination of like a drunk lounge singer meets an emo college kid in his dorm room. I mean, it is about, like, about like autumn leaves in the wind. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. It is such a garbage song. It reminds me of the song. If you guys have seen Gran Torino, 
the song Clint Eastwood's song over the end credits of Gran Torino. Do you remember that? I don't remember it. It's Clint Eastwood. <laughs> Go back and watch the end credits. It's Clint Eastwood singing tenderly as the lights blow around oh my gosh please go watch the end of cancer now i'm just thinking of bill Hader singing it i don't know if you remember the snl skit where he like the the car commercial in the super bowl a couple years ago where he just kept hiking his pants up higher and higher that's clint eastwood <laughs> i do not yeah, but... <sighs> anyway sounds exactly like that but... yeah tom you're right that's tom that's that's the you know again if you're making and i think you really hit the nail on the head and, and i hadn't harped upon this in my own head enough before talking to you guys but when you're making a movie about a musician's redemption you need to nail the musical redemption element yeah, of redemption. that redemption there's no redemption <laughs> because he's incapable of redemption like as like literally he doesn't have the talent to pull off <laughs> Yeah, but the, but then it's it's not nearly tragic enough of a movie. <laughs> like, what are you doing being yeah. like this yeah. like happy-go-lucky movie by the end? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, those are good questions. I don't have answers to those questions. I'm not saying it's not a flawed. Come on, get Dan Fogelman on the podcast. <laughs> I would love to. He's probably not busy right now or doing any work. I can't imagine. This yeah, be do a s- quick look into Dan. Guess, I mean. I'm going to tell you what other movies Dan Fogelman did, and you will not be... Oh, he only directed... He directed nothing. He directed a short called Shit Happens. That's yeah, all Dan that Fogelman. Shit Happens, like Danny Collins, <laughs> when you don't have talent. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, Dan, Dan Fogelman is... Uh, yeah, his his career could use a lot. Oh, my God. He, he wrote Las Vegas. He wrote Crazy Stupid Love. He wrote Tangled. He wrote Cars 2. Fred Claus, uh, this guy's... Is Crazy Stupid Love the one with Ryan Gosling and... And Steve Carell. And Steve Carell. Sure is. So it has, you know... <clears throat> crazy, comma, stupid, comma, love. People. So yeah. he's not the... <laughs> perhaps he's not the auteur we thought he was, but... Uh, I'm going to have to rethink everything now. <laughs> quite an accomplished writer, though, apparently. I just don't know what else to say about it. I mean, we... we it's funny, I had conversations with each of you guys about Crazy Heart, and then I was like, I don't want to talk anymore about it, let's talk about it on the podcast. But, like, Crazy Heart, to me, I agree that the in broad strokes, they're very similar, and that Crazy Heart does have kind of a cliche story. But it's not, it's not to me, melodramatic like Danny Collins is, where Danny, Danny Collins is just laying it on thick. You brought up, like, the cancer thing. I know. Like, the... Crazy Heart has is cliche but not melodramatic to me because it's it's one problem. The guy's a drunk, you know? Like that's it. That's he's, yeah. he's only a drunk. Whereas like Danny Collins is trying to process his estranged son and trying to like fucking Nat Benning and also trying to like come to terms with not getting a letter from John Lennon forty years ago. There's just like too much going on that's way too He bought a piano. He bought a piano for his his for his, uh, lounge his, his executive suite at the, <laughs> at the at the airport Hilton. Where he learned how to play piano chords for the first time. Which was fun. Um and then well and then yeah, Crazy Heart. You're right, Tom. The, the song itself that Jeff Bridges plays is, is is good, but like the whole movie has also has good music. I mean, that's like right. the 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 whole soundtrack is really good. Colin Farrell, Colin Farrell is amazing, like, incredible in that movie. In that movie. Um, and uh, and also like you know, uh, Jeff Bridges' character is I think his name is Bad Blake is not a uh, he's not like a caricature like. 
Well, first of all, Jeff Bridges is actually playing a character, right? He's actually right, acting. He's not just playing himself. Because he's, <laughs> he's an actor, it's a profession. Not a just um, be your, your stupid self in public. <laughs> He's, well, here's he's here. I will. I, I think you're right, and Tom. I think, I think you're ultimately right too. But I mean, but you're also meaner, so I'm going to give Andrew credit. <laughs> I think that's true. I think you're right that it is. It, it does come down a lot to the melodrama. I think you know, there's no shame in telling a story that's been told a hundred times before if you tell it the right way. And I think Crazy Heart. And I don't love Crazy Heart, but I do agree that. It is good because it does pare it down to the to the basics that it has to be, and it doesn't ex- put extra shit in there to try and, try and twist the knife and make you feel more, you know, by force. And I think Danny Collins, because it's not a good movie, does that in spades, and it's reason one why it's why they're not even comparable. Well, it's not even a good melodrama. Like a good melodrama can make you feel things in the moment, you know, like. Take like a, you know, I know you don't like this movie, Steve, but Me and Earl and the guy, Dying Girl is a d- Ooh, super guess, melodramatic. Guess who, guess who it, produced Me and Earl and the Dying Girl? Dan Fogelman. Dan Fogelman himself. <laughs> oh, my God. That's hilarious. Uh, well, but that's a good, at least a good melodrama. It's successful as a melodrama. It makes you feel things in the moment when you're watching it. But Danny Collins, I was like numb. Like mm. the entire film. I didn't feel anything for any of the characters, really. So Yeah. I, yeah, I just I needed about uh, three beers after I start finished watching the movie. That's how numb <laughs> I was. You yeah, so you wanted to get number? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. I was, I was too numb. That's how. Wait, did Dan Fogelman really produce Me and Earl and Dying Girl? He sure did. Oh, I wasn't wow. gonna bring it up because he was just a producer at it, and I didn't uh, think it was as relevant. But wow. once he brought, once you brought it up, I could yeah, not. That's 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 interesting. <laughs> <clears throat> I love that. I'm glad that came up. Yeah. Uh, All right, so let's let's do our our ratings. Let's 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 finally decree what I know. What you guys are gonna give, um, Danny Collins? I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it Fredo, but the early scenes of Godfather Two when Fredo seems like he's cool and has it sort of figured out in Cuba, and then you realize that his girl is cheating on him, and then he gets all sad in that chat with Michael, and it's obvious that he's the same old Fredo. Like when he's ordering daiquiris and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And then it becomes apparent that he's never going to change or be cool or, or learn his lessons. Well, this is obviously a Fredo for me because it's like a Fredo's a piece of shit ultimately. And this is <laughs> ultimately a piece of shit performance. From, They're weak and from, stupid. From Al Pacino. So, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, I think they even have the same satin sheets. Uh, probably in their bedroom, uh, Danny Collins and, and Fredo and Godfather too. So, uh, yeah, that's my rating. Well, I'm gonna have to agree with you guys. Um, <laughs> definitely more on AJ's side. Gonna have to give it a very end of his life, full throttled in the boat, getting executed, Fredo. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, the moment the bullet pierces his head, it sounds Literally like the moment. Uh... But but right where he knows it, so it gets real sad. That's the Fredo. <laughs> Yeah, if I if I had to sum up this movie and Al Pacino's performance in it, I would go with real sad. That would be, that would be the, So what I said earlier when I told people to down get Amazon Prime and watch this, you would not echo that particular statement, I imagine. Um Or or do you think there's something there if you like Al Pacino slash like bad movies? I guess, I, I, guess I feel like our podcast would be a good companion to you wasting ninety minutes of your life on this That's movie. That's true. So, you know, if you want to waste like a full over two hours on on a terrible movie, then uh... if you need to drink a six pack and you have two hours to kill, <laughs> then you, it'd be funny. You might laugh at how bad it is. Because I mean, montage. 
if you look at late career Al, and this and this isn't even late career is sort of uh, disingenuous because in the last like five years he's done just absolute shit. But there was some I know like eighty eight minutes, two for the money, the recruit Simone. Like I've seen all of those movies, <laughs> and they're sort of fun for how bad he is. And I would do you, do you think this falls into that general idea of like Al's bad, but he's but it's wacky enough that you should maybe just give it a is, ninety minutes. Is two for money, two for the money, the one with McConaughey? That's correct. Yeah, no, this that movie's more fun and bad. This movie's just bad, I and mean, it's not very fun. <laughs> our, our podcast is fun, <laughs> but the movie itself, I don't think, is very fun personally. I'm, I, I'm having a good time. How much I hate it. So maybe if you're a hater like me, then you should watch it. But <laughs> it, it is more sad than yeah, it is yeah, like, yeah. Oh, we're yeah. in on the joke. Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's definitely to me not one of those so bad it's good movies like that. Definitely not Roadhouse. No. <laughs> I will say, if you're over fifty five and listening to this, you probably would like Danny Collins more than we would too. So, yeah, I think there's. I think there's definitely more for the older generation to enjoy, just because they could. Oh, that was a fun movie. Look at those geriatrics. They're you know making kissy eyes at each other because the, the music's going to remind them so much of Neil Diamond that that's why they're going to like yeah. him yeah. you voted for Trump this might be the movie for you <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh good lord alright any okay. any final Danny Collins comments any final thoughts that you haven't gotten out there yet that our audience needs to hear I guess I would add one and that is that uh, you know it's it was it's interesting pairing this one and then Scarface, which is the last one we did, where like I feel like Scarface was also a very um, Pacino esque performance, but like it worked there because the movie itself was so ridiculous and had such a clear vision that um, like Pacino was sort of like the only character who could pull it off, and like this movie is like the polar opposite of that in that it's the same like ridiculous Pacino performance, but it just like it just it just like hijacks the entire movie and drives it off a cliff basically so uh i think like the the succession was interesting to me in the way that al didn't really change you know so all you all you auteurs out there if you're thinking of hiring mr pacino for your movie just realize what you're gonna get but um but uh you know the the quality of the movie around him certainly certainly changed so uh so you know that that was that that'd be my closing thought. I would add that I think that is true. I think that um, a lot of actors probably are propped up by the material they're given. So I don't think I would say Al's not alone in that regard. And then he also certainly got old and sad. But I think there is a spark of the charm in Danny Collins that Al Pacino used to have that made me smile. And for that reason alone, I did not hate my time in watching it. The only thing I, that my my only optimistic thought is that maybe just maybe Al Pacino is listening to Hey Baby Doll right now and doing cocaine <laughs> and looking into the mirror at his broken life. Uh, That's as good of a thought to end it on as any, I think. Indeed, I thought your your happy thought was going to be that you've only got like set eight more of these to go or whatever. Oh no! Oh, that's <laughs> time. That, that's my nightmare. <laughs> I should also note that I have Manglehorn on my DVR, and I might watch it when I'm done doing this podcast. Oh, man, you're... don't know what it is. Just know Al Pacino's in it, and it's called Manglehorn. You're and glut- it sounds like a ride in an amusement park when you spin around in circles and are pressed up against the wall. So okay, the Manglehorn. Oh, 
Uh, you're glutton for punishment, Steve. Yeah, well, I just love my Al. That's all I can say. Yeah. Yep, yep. All right, everyone. Well, thank you, Tom, so much for being on the full time. It was we didn't. I, I think we found common ground enough, and I didn't feel too ashamed by your comments. So that's always a good thing. Well, thank you for hosting my uh, just unadulterated hate yet again. <laughs> I appreciate it as always. <laughs> Andrew, do you know what we have coming up next? What's what's coming up in uh, Donnie, whenever we get around to Donnie it? Brasco is next. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, we can talk about Johnny Depp. He hasn't been in the news lately, has he? No, he's a good he's a good oh, yeah. he's a good guy. He's a good guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, Donnie Brasco is is next, and uh, I actually just bought it on Blu-ray because it was five dollars. So I was like, that's literally the price I would probably pay to rent it. Interesting. So. I might also uh, <laughs> check websites right now and make that same uh, decision. Yeah. I think we might. I think we all might. I don't know, Tom. I don't know your thoughts on Donnie Brasco, but I think we all might enjoy that one. I've seen it before. It's not a bad movie, except <gasps> you know what I'm going to say. Well, that's and you know what? We can talk about this again then when we get down to it. But that is a weird. Exa- that's Al doing what we just basically said we wish he would do is playing a supporting role like that, like where he's not the focus of the movie, but he's involved but he also like plays like it, it really is good al and it's a yeah. shame that he didn't really play, keep doing that you know further on in his career totally agree yeah all right yeah. well we'll get to that in a few weeks everybody so please come back for now uh purchase donnie brasco on amazon uh the price is very good so you would be wise to make that purchase price very good <laughs> and for now as always <clears throat> oh let me redo that <clears throat> Okay. You need to do a bump of cocaine off of your cross <laughs> to get there. You, please leave that in. I think I will now. As uh, always, we are one nation under Pacino with liberty and justice for Al. Mm-hmm.